0: L.A. Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. (laughs) Good! Ulrike Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting
1: Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTRadio.com and on the free WSBT radio app. We do not have a video going today on the Twitch app because I'm not in studio. I'm in my broadcast location for Notre Dame hockey tonight against Ohio State, my basement. I'll have the call of that game from Columbus tonight on our sister station, Quality Rock, 94.3 FM. So I'll be on the show until 6 o'clock. Jim Irizarry will take you the rest of the way until 6.30 because we have Irish basketball tonight, and they will take on Lipscomb from Nashville, Tennessee tonight. It is night number two of the Gotham Classic. The Irish taking on Lipscomb. 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock. Opening tip right here on 960 AM WSBT. It feels kind of weird to be doing the show from home again like we did for over a year during the pandemic, but I feel right at home. It's great to broadcast today's sports speech show and then the Irish hockey game, comfortable sweatpants. I've got my... 15-2, and Boston Bruins sweatshirt on, so I think I am perfectly dressed to talk a little sports with you and then call a hockey game later tonight. I'm curious about this, and I'll ask Jim right now as we start the program. So you and Tim Growl host the Game Day Show, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, each Saturday before Notre Dame football, and this week you're on the air from 9 a.m. to 11 I'm assuming you're not going to be outside like you have been the whole year. Are you guys even tougher than I think you are? Oh, no. We are not that tough. We're going to be at O'Rourke's. Oh, okay. Well, that's not so bad then. No, not at all. I'm fine with that. I mean, they have beverages there that can warm you up on a cold day, so... Nice Irish coffee. Oh, there you go. That's fantastic. No, I like that. Okay. Well, you guys will be nice and cozy then. I think they've got a fireplace in there. they will probably be going, so We're literally a... right next to the fireplace. Okay, so just don't catch on fire then, I guess is <laughs> pretty much is the only thing yeah. <laughs> that can go wrong tomorrow. All right. So, yeah, Tim and Jim will have Legacy Heating Air. The Interview Show from 9 to 11 here on WSBT Radio. Tyler Hork and I will be live at Notre Dame Stadium for Game Day SportsBeat, powered by Michelob Ultra, from 11 until 1:30. Kickoff at 2:30 of the Irish and the Boston College Eagles. And the gym comes back with Reggie Brooks with the official Notre Dame football post-game show after the game, right here on WSBT Radio. And this wraps up the home schedule. Man, it goes fast. College football always goes by so quickly. I can't believe we're in week 11 of the National Football League. But now we have college basketball going. We've got some great games tonight in college basketball. You have a lot to choose from because you got Indiana taking on Xavier in a very interesting road game for the Hoosiers. I see the spread is inching closer towards Xavier, so I don't know what the Sharps know, but it's down now to Indiana being a two-point favorite on the road in Cincinnati against the Musketeers. you got Michigan State playing Villanova. That sounds like a Final Four game. And you've got also tonight Baylor and Virginia playing in Las Vegas, two top 25 teams. The second game of the doubleheader, two more top 25 teams. Illinois taking on UCLA. So a lot of good viewing tonight if you're a basketball fan. Well, we've got a lot to get to in my... Now forty nine minutes left on the show, and I've already talked myself into running behind here. So let's get rolling with our sports beat first pitch, which includes the advantage game for Notre Dame and Boston College. The first pitch, uh, the first
0: pitch of the night, and we are ready for the first pitch. Of into the wind up in his first offering, just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed.
1: My first pitch to you is tonight, the trend needs to stop. My good friend Tim Murray from VEASAN, the Sports Wagering Network, has documented how Notre Dame has not fared well as a favorite this year, including a double-digit favorite. They're only three and two straight up when they're that big of a favorite. But doesn't it have to change tomorrow? Isn't this the moment where Notre Dame dismantles Boston College I want to say so and I'm hoping I can convince myself that I'm right over the next couple of moments as we talk about Notre Dame being a 20 and a half point favorite against Boston College so let's go through the advantage game we'll start when Boston College not only runs the football dare we say attempts to run the football no team in college football is worse at running the football than the Boston College Eagles. They are number 131 out of 131 FBS teams. This just in, it's going to be cold tomorrow. It's going to be really cold. Wind chill, maybe 5 to 15 degrees. That's a day you want to be able to run the football, right? Well, PC averages 61 yards per game. They're actually a little better than that. College football still has the sack yardage go against the rushing totals. They've been sacked 39 times. That's 300 yards that are taken off the run totals. But still, it is not a strength of this football team. Notre Dame, the numbers always get skewed after they play Navy. They fell down to 53rd in the country, but still only allowing 138 yards per game. How can I say advantage BC when they are the worst in the country in that category? That's easy. We'll take Al Golden's run defense. They've got the advantage. Let's put that as a bold check mark. Next up, when BC throws the football, which is something they have to do effectively to have a chance to be competitive in this game. Notre Dame's pass efficiency defense is 47th in the country. BC's pass efficiency offense, well, not great. They're 93rd in the country. Notre Dame has become now highly productive in causing the opposition to turn over the football. And again, let's throw this in. When BC throws it, they've been sacked 39 times this year. Notre Dame is tied for 11th in the country in sacks per game. I think Isaiah Foskey could pass Justin Tuck as the all-time sack leader in Notre Dame history from this game. So, when BC throws it, I gotta go advantage. Notre Dame, pressure on the quarterback, causes passing games to deflate in moments like this. Now let's talk about the Irish offense when Notre Dame runs the football against BC. The Irish are 43rd in the country, in rushing yardage at 182.2 yards per game. Now, Navy went all out with the blitzes last week in the second half and throughout the game. That's difficult to run against. So that hurt the numbers a tad bit, but we've now become accustomed to Notre Dame going over 200 rushing yards in contests. Will they do that tomorrow? Well, BC's not been great in that area either They're at 157 yards per game allowed. That is 82nd in the country. We'll have some specific predictions coming up, but I can see another 200-burger coming the way of the Irish in the run column. Advantage, Notre Dame when the Irish run it. How about when Drew Pine and the Irish decide to throw the football against Boston College? Well, BC's in the bottom half in the national rankings in this category, too. At least they're consistent. B.C., pass efficiency defense, 74th in the country. They've been behind a lot, so teams have been running the ball in fourth quarters against them. But pass efficiency defense, they're 74th. Notre Dame actually jumped up over 20 spots last week as Pine went 17 for 21 against Navy. Let's not talk about the second half. But pass efficiency offense, Notre Dame went all the way up to 42 in the country. This is not going to be a dominant check mark, but this is going to be a solid check mark for the fighting hours. I think they will have some success throwing the football. It's Michael Mayer's last game at Notre Dame Stadium. Are you going to tell me he's not going to have five or six catches, 75 yards? He's got to have a touchdown, right? It's got to happen in his last game. You got to dial it up. So I think that will happen for Michael Mayer. I think Drew Pine has a couple of TD passes maybe in this game as well. Advantage Notre Dame when Pine and the Irish throw the football. We move to special teams. How am I going to go against the Irish? They're a punt-blocking machine. No one can stop them. Five straight games with a punt block. So, of course, I'm going Notre Dame on special teams. And finally, intangibles. If I haven't picked BC yet, why would I pick them in the intangible category? It's Senior Day, it's going to be cold. The team that has had the winning ways for the last month is going to be a whole lot warmer than the team that is three and 3-7, although BC won last week against North Carolina State on a last-second touchdown, credit to them, but it's going to be a whole lot colder on their sideline if they fall behind. Notre Dame's got a chance to win for the 8th time in 9 games. Intangibles, Notre Dame. So the Irish sweep the board in the advantage game against Boston College. Please don't let it be a Marshall-Stanford type game. Let's see if the Irish can play to their potential, not down to the opponent. And that's why I think they got a good chance to cover if you're into covering things tomorrow against Boston College. We'll dig a little deeper into our game predictions. Notre Dame rushing the football, I'm all in. I'm all in on Tommy Reese and the Irish running the ball. A lot in this game, and I don't think BC can stop them. If they have the lead, I think they will in the second half, they're gonna run it a lot more. So I've got the Irish, 48 carries, how about 275 yards? I'm going all in on my prediction. That's gonna be a high watermark for the year. 5.7 yards per carry, three touchdowns. I just think if the Irish get off to a great start, BC might lose a little interest in this game in the third quarter. I've got Logan Diggs, 18 carries for 115 on a score. Audrick Estime, 18 for 125. By the way, DraftKings Sportsbooks, if you're into that, they've got Estime's rushing total at 75 and a half. So I guess I kinda like the over there. Notre Dame throwing the football. I've got Drew Pine, 13 of 19 for 151 yards and two touchdown passes. One to Michael Mayer and the other to Brayden Lindsey. I've got Lindsey four for 67 in this ballgame. BC rushing the football. I mean, last week against NC State and a win, they couldn't run it. Clemson think, against the Tigers. They had 25 carries for like minus one yard. So I've got BC against Notre Dame. 17 carries. 17 yards averaging one yard per carry. I'm hoping a lot of sacks are a big reason why that number takes place. Finally, BC throwing the football. i got him 18 for 39 for 178 yards and one touchdown. I've got Xavier Watts. I'm going to try to jump on that bandwagon. Watts, great game against Navy. I've got him leading the Irish in tackles with seven in the ballgame. I think he's a guy that plays throughout the entire game. Joseph is injured. If Notre Dame has a big lead, I I think he plays deep into the ballgame as they continue to get him more experience. So I'll go Watts as the team leader in tackles with seven. So the spread is 20.5. BC plus 20.5. You get that at minus 110. Notre Dame, Coughing up the 20 and a half points at minus 110. Total points is 43. It's actually come down a half a point since earlier this morning. So total points is 43. The over and the under are the same minus 110. I'll make my score prediction at the end of this hour, but I have the game going over 43 points. So there you go. There's some early predictions in tonight's program. Again, we'll make the score prediction at the end of this six o'clock hour. 521 at WSBT, Darren Pritchard with you. All right, let's shift gears here on the fly as we now bring you our Twitter question of the day. So here's what we had yesterday. What is most likely to happen in Saturday's Notre Dame Boston College game? We asked you to vote on my Twitter account at 960 sports feet. Here were the results. Coming in fourth place, 10.2% of the vote. Irish quarterback Drew Pine throwing for over 225 yards. I've got him under that total, so I agree with not many people going that direction. Third place in the voting at 14.3%. What's most likely to take place? Well, those people went with Notre Dame blocking a punt for a sixth straight game and an eighth time this year. It's a pretty fair bet at this particular time. What's most likely to take place in Saturday's Notre Dame-BC game? Second place in the voting. The Notre Dame defense records five or more sacks. That got 28.6% of the vote. I think that happens in tomorrow's game. And I also agree with what won. Notre Dame running the football for over 250 yards. I said 275. Well, the people who voted yesterday said that the Irish are gonna run it a lot and be highly successful. 46.9% believe the Irish will rush for over 250 yards against Boston College. We thank you so much for voting. In today's Twitter question of the day from yesterday. And now let's talk about today's question. What outright spread combination will be the end result of Notre Dame against Boston College? You've got three choices. Choice number one Notre Dame wins the game outright. And Notre Dame covers the 20 and a half points. The second choice Notre Dame wins the game outright. But Boston College covers the 20-and-a-half. And And the third choice, come on, is this even a choice? Boston College wins the game. Come on. So, again, Notre Dame wins, Notre Dame covers, Notre Dame wins, B.C. covers, or B.C. wins. We'll bring you the results, and let's see if the public is right when we reconvene on Monday's Budweiser's Weekday sports Speed. It is 5.24. Coming up next, Patrick Engel, Notre Dame writer for the football team and the men's basketball team will join me to talk about the Irish and the Eagles tomorrow at Notre Dame Stadium. And I'm sure we'll mix in a quick thought on the Irish basketball team taking on Lipscomb tonight at Purcell Pavilion. More Budweiser's weekday sports beat on the way on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat rolls on for this Friday. Darren Pritchett with you. It is 5.30. Once again, the Irish and the BC Eagles play tomorrow at 2.30. We've got Irish basketball tonight against Lipscomb. 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock, opening tip. So a lot of Notre Dame action here on WSBT radio over the next 24 hours. Well, about 24 hours from right now, Notre Dame BC might be winding down. On a cold day, when you think running the football is going to be a good recipe for success, we might have a little quicker game than normal as the Irish and BC will play and what could be windchill temperatures between 5 and 15 degrees. But fortunately... Individuals like Patrick Engel from Blue and Gold Illustrated and myself are spoiled rotten because we will sit behind a glass in a heated room and enjoy Notre Dame and BC with a nice beverage, a little snack. I mean, it's ridiculous, Patrick. We should probably pay for all this.
2: Yeah, this is the one day I'd be willing to uh, pay for the plentiful cups <laughs> yeah. of fresh black coffee that I'll probably consume tomorrow. Uh, just kind of looking down on all the folks freezing uh, down there, with, but hey, this is—it's you got one more home game of the year. You know, you're still going to enjoy it if you're if you're gone.
1: Well, I'm pretty confident that Notre Dame is going to have a really good day tomorrow. But then, Patrick, in the back of my mind, I think about—I felt that way before Marshall. I felt that way before Stanford, and we know those days ended up in a way that none of us could have imagined. But the team has come a long way since Stanford, even though the second half of last week was perplexing. I'm just wondering what your overall thoughts on how farther along Notre Dame is right now to dominate one of these opponents that are not as good as them and avoid what happened against Marshall and against Stanford.
2: Yeah, you know, after five games where you're favored heavily or at least by 10 points and not covering any, and not only not covering, but losing a couple, sweating out one last week, Cal just kind of doing enough to get by. Like, if it's been five times, you know, it's kind of hard to think that, oh, on the sixth, they'll get it together and, you know, find that formula to beat somebody by 25 points. So I'm, I'm inclined to, and, and what I did in my official prediction this morning was take Boston College to cover what I believe at least still saw this morning was a 21-point spread. But, you know, I, I say all this and to say, like, yeah, I, I think Notre Dame is going to still find a way to win the game, even if it's not as pretty as maybe you'd like to see or closer than you'd like to see. But, yeah, it just seems like all of the games where they, they, they play up or down to the competition and in the moments of playing down, particularly last week, maybe not quite sure Marcus Freeman has found that ability to hit the brakes or turn it around or or whatever it might be, stop bad momentum, hold in a a game like that. And maybe that's a thing for the offseason when you finally get there and maybe something that, you know, you won't magically find after six times. But who knows, they've thrown uh, thrown us enough surprises over the course of this entire year where, you know, predicting it or at least predicting anything against the spread has been kind of a fool's errand.
1: Patrick Engel, Blue and Gold Illustrated, is my guest. Patrick, how did you put into words this week at Blue and Gold Illustrated the difference in the offensive performance in the first half and the second half against Navy? And at the end of the day, does it concern you at all with how the Irish were not able to do anything against that zero pressure in the second half? I mean, 20 plays, 12 yards, that just doesn't seem possible.
2: Yeah, I Personally, I I think it was their worst half all year. And the craziest part about it to me was that it wasn't like Navy just started going to zero blitzes in the second half. That was a lot of the the plan in the first half because we saw Notre Dame beat it for the first three touchdowns they scored. So it wasn't like the idea of Navy zero blitzing or even zero blitzing often was something that caught them by surprise. I mean, the first touchdown was exactly a blitz beater. Same kind of play, out, uh, angle route for the running back. You know you've got a free rusher and you get it out in time. Easy, untouched touchdown for Audrick Estoné there. saw a similar play, if you want to go back a little bit, to the, the mm-hmm. Fiesta Bowl where it's, Notre Dame knew there might be an all-blitz coming on a third down, beat it with a, a quick little dub off to Chris Tyree. He runs free. But, yeah, it's just kind of a, a – a, combination of a lot of things where right? that was Drew Pine really not being able to feel where the pressure was coming from and feel where like you know you've got six blockers with seven rushers we you know you're going to have an unblocked guy to feel where that's coming from there were protection breakdowns being the one sack Fanton in particular is where you have a nine man protection you have the numbers and you know you have a rare you know Michael Mayer looks human doesn't make a block and then some instances where they've got a zero p- pressure maybe blocked right or at least he knows where the rusher is coming from, but there's not really an easy, friendly, quick throw there right away where you've got, you know, guys all downfield or that angle route isn't there because the running back stayed in. And then a couple of times where there was, you know, an easy little dump off over the middle, but you know, either looking deep or didn't see it or whatever. So uh, just kind of an odd collapse of a combination of a few things from the first half, because you look at it as clearly they had expected zero blitzes and repped against them in practice. And, clearly it wasn't like it was, you know, the first time Drew Pine had ever seen one. So, I'm um, even though, yeah, it's technically a blueprint because Navy's not the only team that runs zero pressures, I'd be a little surprised if we see either the next two teams just come out and do it that much. Just if only on, like, yeah, there's a downside to it in that when you beat a zero blitz, you're going to get a big play like we saw in the first half. And, that you know, I don't quite think the next couple defenses are as maybe – undersized or uh, maybe a little bit more of a potent pass rush than what Navy has there. So I don't think you're necessarily going to see that, which I think should cater to Notre Dame running the ball better than it did against Navy, which I think has something to do with the fact that you're running into nine guys a lot of the time.
1: Patrick, I think you know I'm going to me when I put together this particular question, but you've got USC next week and USC has not been able to stop the run very well this year, but they may go all out in trying to stop the run, which, again, is going to open up some opportunities with single coverage on the outside. I never want a game plan to worry about the next game. So as I say this, Notre Dame should be able to run the ball very effectively against BC. Do you think that Notre Dame will try to throw it a little bit more tomorrow considering that you've got that game next week? against USC again I don't want them to leave what is best for the BC game but does it offer them a little wiggle room to try to get something going in the passing game because I would love to see them try to reignite Lorenzo Styles, Patrick he is too good to be a zero factor the last month
0: yeah
2: I think there's something to be said for that but just with how this game matches up and maybe with how the weather ends up looking Boston College's run defense has probably been their Weakest spot on defense, and obviously we know what Notre Dame has has been able to do there up until last week, between the UNC game and up until maybe. So I think you're going to want to see them get that back on track too, just because that's USC's weakness as well. And I'm—it's the first thing you think of when you're scouting Notre Dame's offense. Mm -hmm. So you're—you're not just going to line up with six guys in the box against it, but I'm not like I had mentioned kind of with, with Navy, I'm not entirely convinced you'll see someone else throw an entire game plan of eight, nine man boxes with a bunch of blitzes just because, and, and kind of to your question, like I think they did get at least a half of tape out there of here's what you can do or what yeah. what's the downside as a defense to when you really sell out to them. And we saw who kind make a lot of those throws and we saw like, it wasn't just that, Oh, this guy's wide open. like Audrey estimate like the touchdown he threw to Jaden Thomas late in the first half was a great throw. So, I think they should feel good in the sense that they have that on tape. And then just a matter of like r- feeling pressure and, and kind of going up and seeing, all right, pre-snap, you know, this guy, this is where it's going to come from or uh, coaching wise. You have a, a feeling that, all right, this might be a zero pressure spot. Let's make sure there's you know an easy dump off so you can, you know, not take the sacks there. And that kind of seems like something you can handle in a couple of days of practice and at least kind of get where you want it to go or get back to why you're able to beat it in the first half. So kind of a long way of saying, like, I'm sure they'll be cognizant of taking the throws that are given to them if that's, in fact, what EBC yep. wants to do this week. But I still think you're going to see what Notre Dame has done best throughout the year, and that's run the ball, especially because I think that's where it matches up worse with USC and kind of a way of, like, you know, if you want to play keep away with you know, really, really good USC offense with so the quarterback might be a Heisman finalist. You're going to have to run the ball pretty well,
1: too. Patrick, this Irish team has won seven of their last eight games. A couple of things, I think, have gone into that that are obvious. The ability to run the football. They have played pretty consistent defense, and now they're taking the football away a little more. They're getting to the quarterback, so that's creating opportunities. I think another reason why they've won seven of eight is that guys that have the NFL draft in their very near future are still locked in, like Patterson, Mayer, and Foskey. Putting all that aside, how much of this turnaround, when they were 0-2 and now they won 7-8, of 8, do you credit a first-year head coach in Marcus Freeman being able to continue to relay his message to this football team and obviously they are listening and they're responding because this season could have gone a totally different way after that 0-2 start, or even, Patrick, when they lost to Stanford.
2: Oh, absolutely. And even though I just kind of talked about like maybe where there's a little bit of a, a gap or still kind of feeling some things out of as far as not being able to blow out an opponent you should blow out, the fact that they didn't collapse after either of those two losses uh, early in, in the first half of the, the year there is absolutely a credit to, to Freeman's staff. And, you know, part of that is, you know, we've talked about playing two competition. They played up to it as well, which is why you've seen him be so crisp on on the road, or why you saw him get up for, for Clemson there. Like, there's absolutely still a sense of like, and I think it's partially due to, yeah, like just a matter of like the makeup of these guys who do have NFL futures probably this spring, but also coaching as far as like buying into the idea of, very early on that this isn't going to be playing for a playoff this year and yet still finding something to play for, whether that's week to week improvement or trying to get to 10 wins or, or just wanting to lay a foundation here, which we've heard Friedman talk about a lot more recently. All of those things seem to be still pretty fresh in the mind of Michael Mayer, Isaiah Foskey, Jared Patterson. And Mm -hmm. I, I, that's not a surprise. Just kind of getting to spend some time around those guys and just knowing what their makeup is, but absolutely a credit to coaching staff as well.
1: As you look at the defensive side of the football, Patrick, who are a couple of guys that you have been impressed by, whether it's guys we expected to be really, really good, or some guys a little off the radar that have really started to find their way into the rotation and make an impact on this defense?
2: Yeah, I think kind of the easy one there is Ben Morrison, just in the fact that, like, you know, he was the one corner that didn't enroll early of this freshman corner class. And here he was three games into the career starting. And then obviously the whole Clemson, you know, real coming out party there. Just a, a freshman really in, in designation only is what I've called him a, a few times there. But yeah, one to go a little bit off the radar that I think you probably saw this week being his best was Xavier Watts. And that if you were really kind of tuned into maybe the last four or five games of last year, when he started playing safety, like he'd moved over earlier, but when he started getting on the field, all right, there's some some physical tools there. There's a willingness to come up and tackle there. But where really was the path to a lot of snaps this year after everybody came back with uh, Houston Griffith and, and DJ Brown there after getting Brandon Joseph, but they've still found a way to get him in the lineup. And, and last week with eight tackles made his first start, Uh, tackle for a loss there to get help get a goal line stop on that long Navy drive Uh, a guy who I kind of figured even in fall camp like all right this is no matter what happens this year unless it's just you know really go south or he has some bad injury probably a guy who you look at as a a likely starter in 2023 and I think he's done as much as he could this year to kind of keep on that path so uh, I know that easy, like obviously Morrison being the easy like surprise answer and of course you know we can say everything there is about Isaiah Foskey who's a sure. sack away from breaking the, the Notre Dame record but uh, it, it, for a couple more deep cuts and then a surprise yeah I'd say Morrison and Xavier Watson just two of the reasons why I think the secondary has been maybe the most surprising development of, of the defense in a good way.
1: I'm going to shift gears Patrick just for a second let's spend a a second on the Irishmen's basketball team coming up here on WSBT Radio at the bottom of the hour they'll take on Lipscomb I know Mike Bray said that Lipscomb Princeton offense they're more deliberate but they're averaging 81 points per game (laughs) so far this year they got five or six guys scoring in double figures so this might be another high scoring affair at Purcell Pavilion just give me your early impressions of what you have been able to figure out about this Irish basketball team over their first three games. Three games that have been you know, pretty competitive. Even though they had a nice lead against Southern Indiana, at least the Eagles made it interesting over the last five, six minutes.
0: Yeah,
2: like last year a little bit, I think it might end up being a year where you're having to mask a few things on defense where last year we saw them go to a 2-3 matchup zone a lot in the latter half of the season as you know, a way to be more than the sum of your defensive parts. And maybe there's something like that mid season, you know, weapon there that they use to to help kind of confound some, some offenses. But right now I think you're seeing, yeah, they they're missing kind of an on ball defender with the kind of tenacity that, that Blake Wesley had there. So probably something on that end that's gonna need some time to either figure itself out as far as limiting the the missed assignments or just figuring out how to, you know, make sure the guys who much struggle on the ball aren't finding themselves in in bad spots there but offensively i don't think you've really seen them take off in like that vintage mm-hmm. make a lot of threes generate generate a lot of open threes almost 2 to 1 assist and turnover ratio although i think you'll you'll see that eventually this is a good enough shooting team with enough shooting depth that those are going to start falling and that you're going to end up with those 20 assists to nine turnover games, even though right now through three games, you're sitting at a dead even uh, 34 to 34 assist turnover ratio. But even with all of that, they're three and I think that's just a uh, credit to old guys, not really panicking in moments where <laughs> it would have been easy to, I mean, you just think about that opening day game where you're like, you know, you you're a coming off an NCAA tournament where you won two games, you've got a rotation that is as old as or a couple NBA starting lineups. And then, Opener, bam, you're down nine in the second half in a bye game. Like a lot of younger teams would have probably panicked there. Or even maybe freshman guards who aren't JJ Starling or freshman forward who's not Ben Allen Lutheran would have panicked there. Yeah. So they're still 3 and 0 without it. And what maybe they haven't had in that crispness of those good assist turnover ratios they've made up for and getting the foul line a lot. And that is and Nate Laszewski, especially a guy who, you know, we saw who's a complimentary player who sometimes would kind of drift in games has been. A lot of like, raise his hand. All right, we need a bucket. I'll, I'll I'll make it happen. I'll draw a foul. So I think that's been a good development. And even if it means it's, you know, it takes a little bit of time to get into that crisp offense, but you have this version of Nate Sesky, I think that's a, a good outcome for him.
1: You made a great point. I had not thought about this yet, but Wesley's on-ball defense is something that they're going to miss throughout this season. We always think about him getting to the basket or hitting a key shot, but yeah, that's a great point about his on-ball defense. That is something that's going to be really hard, and I think we've seen it will be very difficult to replace. Well, Patrick, as we wrap things up here, how about a couple of thoughts of all the things happening at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com this weekend?
2: Yeah, today we've had a, a lot of uh, things up, starting with my Friday column, my colleague Tyler Horka's uh, Friday mailbag. Tyler also did a story on on John Sott, uh and the inspiration uh, behind really every game Sot yeah. plays. I highly uh, recommend that anybody go ahead and, and read that. And, then, of course, we'll, we'll be there tomorrow and writing throughout the day and in the evening.
1: Very good. He is Patrick Engel, covers Notre Dame football, Notre Dame men's basketball for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read all his work at blueandgold.com. Patrick, thanks for doing this. Greatly appreciate it. We will talk to you soon. Sounds good, Darren. Thank you. Thank you so much, Patrick Engel. Covering all things Fighting Irish for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Your time is 5.47 When I return, we've got the My Five coming up, how the Notre Dame-BC game will play out. And I'll throw out a couple of suggestions for this Friday as we look ahead to a busy weekend in sports. Let's see if we can do some good things in our sports wagering segment. All coming up next on your Home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app. One
0: question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: All right, Darren Pritchett back with you on Sports Feed. Eight minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Top five ways the Notre Dame-BC game will play out. Ladies and gentlemen, this
0: is number five.
1: We begin with Michael Mayer, and I teased this earlier in the program. Come on, let's think about this. I love Hollywood endings. Michael Mayer, statistically, the greatest tight end in Notre Dame history. Statistically. If you want to argue blocking everything else that goes into being a tight end, you might think it's somebody else. I'm just saying statistically, he's the greatest tight end in Notre Dame history. This is his final game at Notre Dame Stadium because he's going to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft in a few months. He's got to end his career with a touchdown at Notre Dame Stadium. I noticed on DraftKings Sportsbook, over 0.5 receiving touchdowns for Mayors at plus 100. You can double your money. He's got to catch one, right? I don't care cold, windy, quarterback accuracy. It's got to happen. So I think Michael Mayer will end his Notre Dame career with at least one receiving touchdown in this contest. Four! I'm going to talk myself into this happening. All right, number four, the B.C. offensive line has been poor all year. Also, you factor in they're really banged up. You also factor in Notre Dame is one of the best teams in the country in getting after the quarterback. You also add in that Isaiah Foskey, a sack away from saying hello to Justin Tuck at the top spot for the most sacks in Notre Dame history. The Irish are taking on a team in Boston College the last two weeks with more headed quarterback. He's been sacked ten times, five at each game. Duke and North Carolina State got him down five times, so come on. The Irish defense will record at least five sacks, and I will go all in that they're in a good groove and forcing turnovers. I will say the Notre Dame defense will force two turnovers. In this win over Boston College.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, Number
1: three. Man, I felt like I said all this stuff before Marshall and Stanford, and now it's scaring the heck out of me. I'm talking myself out of all these now. Number three, how the game will play out. This is my hope. Freshman quarterback Steve Angeli for Notre Dame has a chance to get a handful of snaps in the fourth quarter, and I want him to throw the football. I don't want this just to be hand the football off. I want him to throw a couple of times just because you never know next week at the old Coliseum against Southern California. I do not want his first throw to be on that field. How about at Notre Dame Stadium with all the fans cheering him on? I think that would be a good thing. He's from New Jersey. He knows cold and all that stuff. He knows about wind. So I hope Notre Dame plays well enough in the fourth quarter, Angeli has a chance to be a quarterback. Because you think number about two. throughout the year, they haven't been able to. Sorry, I kept talking. That's my fault. I, I never know how to shut up. But I, you think about all the games they had an advantage, Notre Dame did, and then they didn't close it out so Angeli couldn't get on the field. Well, this is the game that needs to happen. Now number two. Number two. Thank you. <laughs> I can ne- never hear that enough. You can play that as many times as you want. Number two. oh mini me well Notre Dame is going to outrush BC by over 200 yards I've got Notre Dame for 275 I've got Boston College for 17 that adds up to a 258 rushing yard advantage in my estimation we'll keep it simple Notre Dame outrushes BC by 200 yards in tomorrow's game Number one. Finally, my prediction on the game. I'm going, and here we go, being overly confident. Now I'm thinking Marshall Stanford, but I'm going to break free from those negative thoughts. Notre Dame's the better team. It's cold. I want the team that can run it, I want the team that can stop the run. Both of those teams are the same team. Notre Dame, it's senior day. It's got to be a blowout. They have to cover here. I think Notre Dame runs it down their throat, and I'm going to go a little higher score than maybe I was going to with the cold weather, but heck with it. Notre Dame 41, BC 13, and I'm not sure BC will score that many points. So there you go. There's the my five, the top five ways the Notre Dame-BC game will play out. Mayer catches a touchdown touchdown. The defense five sacks, two turnovers. Steve Angeli not only plays but throws a couple of passes in the fourth quarter. Notre Dame outrushes BC by 200 yards, and Notre Dame wins 41 to 13. 5:57. We have just enough time for me to pass along a bunch of losing suggestions in the sports wagering game. Money, money, money. Money, money,
2: money, money. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler.
0: We go with Sizzler.
1: Okay, there's going to be some in studio participation on one of these games coming up, Jim, so be ready, okay? Okay. Because you got your own sports wagering show, so you're going to help me through this one that's coming up at the end. Good. All right, so here comes 10 lousy suggestions because I have stunk the last two Fridays. I mean lousy. Well, I just gave you the BC-Notre Dame score, so let's just go ahead and put it down. Even though this goes against all the trends, this is a bad choice by all the trends. I don't care. I've tried to follow trends the last two weeks, and I stink. Notre Dame minus 20 and a half against BC. Lock it in. I've locked in. Notre Dame's going to run it right down BC's throat tomorrow. So on DraftKings Sportsbook, I'll take Audric Estime over 75 and a half rushing yards at minus 115. If that doesn't hit, then I don't think the first one hits. I've already written the Hollywood script about Michael Mayer. He's not going to end his career at Notre Dame Stadium with two catches for 15 yards. At DraftKings Sportsbook, I'm going Michael Mayer over 52 and a half receiving yards at minus 115. Not as confident in that one, but. I'm just hoping my vision of him riding off into the sunset features a lot of yards tomorrow. And finally from the Notre Dame game, I gave you my final score prediction at DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm going over 31 and a half points for Notre Dame at minus 105. That's a risky pick considering it's going to be really cold tomorrow, so that probably isn't the wisest choice. But like I said, I played conservative last two weeks. I've been awful. Well, Illinois and Michigan are playing in Ann Arbor. Michigan favored by 18. Yeah, I'm an Illinois fan, and we have kind of changed the direction of our season with a couple of bad losses to Michigan State and Purdue, so the Western Division title is pretty much all but gone. Michigan's gonna win this game. I'm not sure how Illinois is gonna come out tomorrow. Brett Bielema, the head coach of Illinois, his mom passed away yesterday morning I don't even know if he's going to coach or not but I think with the way Illinois plays defense and the way they can run the ball it's going to be cold up in Ann Arbor I'm hoping Michigan is looking ahead to Ohio State all these are a lot of hopes and prayers but I'm going to say Illinois plus 18 at Michigan again I'm going to need Michigan to be sleepy in the first half knowing that Ohio State is next week Georgia Southern, Clay Helton, the head coach there. On their home field, they're getting four and a half against Marshall, who can be really good or really bad. The really bad Marshalls coming to town tomorrow. I'm backing Clay Helton. Georgia Southern plus four and a half against the Thundering Herd. You might think I'm crazy on this one, but I think Clemson, despite what we saw against Notre Dame two weeks ago, Cleanse the pallet. I think they crush Miami and Death Valley tomorrow. I'm going to lay 19 with Clemson, and they're going to take care of the Hurricanes. Okay, this is where there's the participation from the studio. Okay. So, UConn's pretty good this year, right? They are bowl eligible under Jim Moore Jr. How about that? They were one of the worst teams in college football, but UConn's actually really good right now. Wow. They're bowl eligible. I lost track of UConn, quite honestly. Well, I kind of have too, but (laughs) I'm trying to build up the momentum to this pick. (laughs) So UConn's kind of the fun team. They've been one of the most profitable teams in the country because everybody thinks they stink, and they've actually been good this year. Moore's done a great job. And they're taking on Army. When you look at the spread, you're going to kind of scratch your head. Army has won three games all year. They are favored by 10. Against Connecticut. Huh? Let me add on to this. Army, the last two weeks, has scored a total of 16 points. So they- UConn's the better team. Army scored 16 the last two Saturdays. And Army is favored by 10. How? So here's what we're going to do. They're not putting that line up there to lose money. They know something. So you know what, Jim? Jim? Army minus 10 against Connecticut. Maybe Jim Mora, a great defensive mind, has no idea how to stop the triple option. My God, I hope that's the case. But this <laughs> might be the most embarrassing pick ever. And I saw Scott Van Pelt pick Army, too. So once I saw that, I'm like, you know what? That does it. I'm locking it in. Army minus 10 against Connecticut. And you watch that baby's going to hit. You, Somebody knows something. Yes! Something's up with that game. Because if you had it... Army minus three and a half. You still probably take Connecticut. Yeah, probably. It's just, yeah. That's why they know something. I'm going Army minus 10, and I hope it hits. I'll celebrate that one. Two more (laughs) to wrap things up. College basketball tonight. I love Rutgers. They're playing Temple. Rutgers minus five. I like the Scarlet Knights. And from college hockey, Michigan State, Penn State playing in Happy Valley. The total goals between the two teams, five and a half at minus 120 so there you go I just hope I go five and five at this point I've been so bad on Fridays but I think if army hits that's worth like three wins it should count triple I thank you I thank you for your support on that one I just love these because these are the ones where you're like come on I should put my mortgage on Yukon. this can't lose and then it's like <laughs> oh well I'm homeless now <laughs> yeah, that's right all right I guess I should kind of wind things down here on Budweiser's Weekday sports beat because I have to do hockey, but let me do this. beat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Legacy heating air, cook family business, pet refuge, urging you to adopt, own, shop, shop, new beginnings, have happy endings. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area now open for carryouts. Barnaby's The Family Inn by South Bend Orthopedics Team Physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Tim Grau, State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981 and by Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. It is 6.05, more sports speed coming up in a moment. I'm off to Irish hockey. We've got pregame at 6.45 on Quality Rock, 94.3 FM. Coming up in a moment, a guy that did not win, sexiest man alive from people. We'll give you our sports update here on Sports Radio 960, WSBT South Bend.